Hello and welcome to History Between the Lines. Today's episode is about the battle which took place at Coruna in Spain in January 1809 between the British and the French armies. So, by 1807, Napoleon Bonaparte had been in power in France for about eight years. He had made himself Emperor of the French in 1804 and had created and constructed a French empire which dominated the European continent. Only one great power still resisted him, his archenemy, Britain. With the physical invasion of the British mainland not being possible in 1807 due to the presence of the Royal Navy in the Channel and the construction of the Martello Towers along Britain's eastern and southern coastlines, all of which possessed cannons which could pick off any ships of a French invasion flotilla one by one, Napoleon instead turned to economic warfare. He created the Continental Blockade, which was designed to shut out all British goods from the continental European market, which would, Napoleon believed, cripple Britain economically and knock it out of the war. This blockade soon became a cornerstone of Napoleon's foreign policy from then on, and he demanded that all of his European satellites and allies enforce this blockade in order to make it as watertight and continent-wide as possible. One of the main gateways, however, that Britain could still get its goods into Europe through was Portugal, one of its oldest allies. To seal this gap in the blockade, Napoleon turned towards Spain, He was eventually convinced by Charles Maurice de Talleyrand, his ex-foreign minister but still a valued advisor, to take over Spain, not only to stop British goods entering through Portugal, but also as a way to gain control over Spain's Latin American empire. Napoleon was also persuaded that it was the natural order of things for Spain to be subservient to France, therefore taking over the Spanish state also had an element of destiny to it in Napoleon's mind. And the only way to gain power over Spain was ultimately through dynastic change. In October 1807, Napoleon imposed a treaty on Spain, whereby French troops would be allowed to march through Spain to invade Portugal. In late October and early November, a French force under the command of General Jean Andoche Junot entered Spain to advance towards Portugal. Other French soldiers began to occupy Spanish garrisons to secure supply lines. By February 1808, some Spanish commanders became suspicious that these actions were also a French takeover of the country, and hostility and sporadic clashes between the two increased. Portugal itself would be a challenge for Napoleon, being a great distance away from France, and getting to it meant traversing over difficult Spanish terrain, and Portugal had the potential to be supplied by sea by the British. Initially, however, Junot soon overpowered the Portuguese forces and installed himself in Lisbon, and the Portuguese royal family fled to Brazil. But getting to Portugal had meant marching across rugged areas in Spain, where living off the land for supplies was virtually impossible. By March 1808, the presence of French troops on Spanish soil brought the Spanish people's hatred for their weak king, Carlos IV, and his chief minister, Manuel Godoy, to boiling point. 
their palaces were invaded by angry mobs, and Carlos's more popular son Ferdinand, already an opponent of his father's, was proclaimed king. Yahim Muha, the French marshal in overall command, suggested that father and son go to Napoleon, who would act as an arbiter to sort the situation out. Believing that all of this chaos showed that the weak Spanish government needed a new source of energy and to combat and stamp out Spain's privileged old order and the Catholic Church, things Napoleon believed were preventing its progression to becoming a modern state, Napoleon met Carlos and Ferdinand at Bayonne near the Spanish border and forced both of them to give up their claims to the throne and replaced them with his own brother Joseph as king. King of Spain, oblivious to the popularity Ferdinand had amongst parts of the Spanish public and therefore how much trouble deposing and capturing him would cause. Indeed, even before Carlos and Ferdinand were forced to renounce their claims to the throne, on the 2nd of May 1808, a revolt against the French and Joseph broke out in Madrid. Muha reacted with brutal repression and violence, with his soldiers killing between 400 to 500 Spaniards in the capital. The news of the common people's heroism and their horrific slaughter soon spread across Spain, and the date of the uprising became known as Dos Mayo. Soon afterwards, after Ferdinand's ousting from power, committees, known as juntas, sprang up across Spain's provinces and declared their allegiance to Ferdinand, and several provinces and cities rose in rebellion against the French, further fuelled by religious fervour. As soon as the revolt broke out in Spain, the British, by this time desperate to get a foothold on the European continent to challenge Napoleon's now vast French empire, immediately displayed sympathy for the Spanish cause, which was whipped up even more by a delegation of Spanish rebels which arrived in London in the summer of 1808. The British media, including the Times newspaper and members of Parliament, called for help to be given to the Spanish, declaring that the Spanish rebellion proved that a country could overthrow the Corsican tyrant and fight for its liberty, and now was the time to exploit it and strike at Napoleon hard. However, the Spanish delegation asked for arms, money and equipment, not British soldiers, as they were wary of their experience with the French troops. Therefore, the British military plans changed. The British task force would then go to Portugal instead of Spain to drive out Juno. The British military contingent was duly dispatched and landed on the Iberian Peninsula and by August 1808 totaled around 30,000 men. They were at this point under the command of Lieutenant General Sir Arthur Wellesley, the future Duke of Wellington. Under Wellesley's leadership, the British force won a string of victories over Junot, but then Wellesley was superseded by two new commanders, Sir Hugh Darimple and Sir Harry Burrard. Whilst they argued amongst themselves, they did not accept Junot's early offer of capitulation and left him time to negotiate. The two sides eventually came to an agreement, known as the Convention of Sintra, which allowed 26,000 French soldiers to be sent home in Royal Navy ships with all their booty and arms. The convention caused outrage in Britain at the generous treatment given to the French enemy and the betrayal of loyalties to Spain and Portugal. 
Rumours also began to abound of British military laziness and corruption. Barard, Darimple and Wellesley were soon ordered home to face an inquiry. Whilst Wellesley was in London answering for the Sintra Agreement, Lieutenant General Sir John Moore took command of the British Army in Iberia. Up to this point, Moore had not had a very successful war with the Napoleonic regime. In May 1808, he had set out with 10,000 troops to Sweden to help King Gustavus confront Russia, which was then one of Napoleon's allies. But in Gothenburg, restricted by contradictory instructions, Moore endured weeks of negotiation with the mad Swedish king, who forbade the British to land, and he eventually arrested Moore himself. He escaped whilst in peasant disguise and returned to Britain in failure. In Iberia, Moore left a third of the British army in Lisbon and marched north into Spain with the rest of the task force. Moore's orders from London were vague and he was told only that he should go on the attack and should cooperate with the Spanish commanders. His more immediate objective was to support the hunters of Asturias and Galicia, regions in northwestern Spain. Meanwhile, about 10,000 fresh soldiers under the command of Lieutenant General David Baird were shipped from Britain and landed at Coruna on the Galician coast. From the beginning, the British faced problems. Initially, the local hunter at Coruna refused to allow Baird to land. Moore's forces were also divided, and he chose a difficult overland route. On the 13th of November 1808, his advance guard reached Salamanca, and he had to wait there until the rest of his forces were concentrated, and he was to link with Baird as and when he could. But the biggest problem was the fact that the French had upgraded their position in Spain. Ever since Junot's expulsion from Portugal and the defeat of a French force at the hands of regular Spanish soldiers at the Battle of Balen earlier in the year, Napoleon had determined to reinforce Iberia with better troops and to go there himself to direct them. Over 100,000 French soldiers were brought in from mid-September to late October and top marshals like Jean Lannes and Jean de Dieusult were appointed as subordinate commanders. Despite Spain's poor roads and harsh terrain, this French force had pushed the regular Spanish army back and had retaken Madrid by the 5th of December. Napoleon's attention now turned to finding and defeating Moore. When a French courier was captured by the Spanish guerrillas, Moore was horrified to learn that Madrid had already fallen and that Napoleon had a force of around 200,000 strong, far more than he had originally assumed, which made the chances of Anglo-Spanish success look fainter. Moore then decided that the best thing he could do to help fellow British soldiers in Portugal and the Spanish irregular guerrilla fighters was to strike at the French and then withdraw into Galicia as far as he could to draw Napoleon away from the British in Lisbon and the Spanish central junta in Seville. This was a very brave and selfless decision on Moore's part. Moore put his plan into action and advanced towards Soult's force with the aim of then moving on Valladolid, an important route centre. When Moore's advanced units clashed with Soult's soldiers, Soult realised immediately that Moore was coming and concentrated his forces whilst Moore rested his. Soult sent a message to Napoleon informing him of the situation. 
the French emperor took Moore's bait and halted his plans to move on Seville and Lisbon and pursued Moore instead. To do this, the French had to use the route northeast from Madrid into Old Castile, which is over the Guadarrama Pass, which is even higher and steeper than the Somos Sierra. By the time Napoleon and the bulk of the French force got there, the pass was covered in snowdrifts and it was bitterly cold. The winter blizzards combined with the steep terrain made the French advance difficult and demoralisation set in so much that some French soldiers dared one another to shoot Napoleon. To defuse this situation, Napoleon walked amongst his troops and led from the front, despite the danger. Although the winter weather slowed the French down and gave Moore two days of respite, the British were suffering from the cold even more than their enemy was. On the 29th of December, near Benevente, French cavalry caught up with what turned out to be Moore's main army. Although the British cut the French troopers to pieces and only a few of them escaped, Napoleon now knew where Moore was, but Moore knew this too, and, knowing that he was almost in Napoleon's clutches, he slipped out of his base at Astorga and headed for Coruna and the coast to await evacuation by the Royal Navy. On New Year's Day, 1809, Napoleon handed the pursuit of Moore over to Marshal Soult. He did this possibly because he had failed to envelop the retreating British army and knew that it would therefore not end in complete success. The coming clash was also going to be protracted and would leave him stranded at the end of Spain. Therefore, he himself withdrew from the battle. Moore's army began to disintegrate under the pressure of the cold and the fast marching pace. Starvation, drunkenness and straggling broke out amongst the British soldiers and only a few units, including the rearguard, remained effective fighting forces. During its retreat to the coast, this crumbling army committed a number of atrocities and looting, motivated by a hatred for the Spanish population they encountered on the way, which did not live up, in their minds, to the Dos Mayo legend of every Spaniard bearing arms against the French and fighting for liberty. The fact that they were retreating also wounded the British soldiers' pride and they took out their anger on local Spanish civilians. At one point, a wine depot was seized at Benbury, and its streets were soon littered with drunken, sleeping redcoats. Diseased or tired horses, hundreds of them, were also shot by their own riders within Moore's army to prevent them falling into the enemy's hands. Only 60 horses out of 640 survived. This act in particular seemed incomprehensible to Napoleon and he took it as another sign that the British were unhinged. It took another 10 days before they reached Coruna on the 10th of January. Whilst supplies awaited them, the British ship sent to evacuate them had gone to Vigo by mistake. Soult arrived on the 14th of January. However, it did not occur to Moore to surrender and he dug in to await rescue by the Royal Navy. On the 15th, Soult's troops forced in the British outposts and prepared for battle the following day. By then, the naval transports had arrived and the evacuation was progressing, but the French attacked the main British line in the afternoon of the 16th. Most of the fighting centred around the village of Elvina, which changed hands several times during the battle. 
but Moore had planned his defences well and had covered his potential weak spots in the British line with reserves. During the fighting, Baird lost his left arm and Moore was killed while rallying a unit. His dying words were, You know that I have always wished to die this way. I hope the people of England will be satisfied. I hope my country will do me justice. Moore was buried in the ramparts, and when the French eventually captured the town, Silt himself ordered that a monument be put over his grave. From then on, Avenge Sir John Moore became an Iberian Peninsula rallying cry. As the battle raged on, the British completed the evacuation and embarked onto the ship silently, leaving behind those too badly wounded to move. Over 25,000 men crammed aboard the transports. On the shore, teams blew up thousands of barrels of gunpowder, the huge explosion rocking like an earthquake through the town. A small British rearguard held the citadel and did not surrender until the ships were safely out to sea. The British lost about 800 men in total. The French lost 1,000 soldiers dead or wounded. Through his actions, Moore saved Seville for a year and Portugal forever. His retreat to Coruna also left the French in an unusual position in Spain, in that by retaking the capital and chasing more, they held the centre of the country around Madrid and the lines of communication into France, but not the coasts or the west or the south. This meant that the French then had to try to conquer Iberia from the inside out. Although these military actions are broadly similar to those which were carried out during the summer of 1940 and which culminated in the May to June 1940 evacuation at Dunkirk, Karuna certainly did not herald in a proto-Dunkirk spirit at home. Parliament did not appreciate Moore's achievement and he was vilified by the press, having never been very popular anyway. Such treatment shocked Napoleon and Soult, who believed that he had died a brave death at Karuna. The British would eventually bounce back in the Iberian Peninsula under the command of Wellesley, and after several more years of brutal fighting, they drove the French back across the Pyrenees in 1814 and then invaded France itself, just before Napoleon was defeated and abdicated the first time later the same year. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of History Between the Lines. See you next time. Goodbye.